Well, I'm excited for today. We are continuing in our series on Colossians, and, and in chapter 3, we've begun to see Paul move really from, from a lot of doctrinal statements in 1 and 2 to what does that look like in our lives? What does it look like for you and me to, as he says in, in chapter 3, verses 1 and following, uh, set our mind on heavenly things and not set our mind on earthly things? To put it another way, he goes on and he says to, to put off, to take off, to put away or to mortify, to kill certain things, sexual immorality, anger, lying, deceit. And, and when we put those things off, we, we are to at the same time put something on, to be clothed with Christ. So he says things like, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another in love. Uh, and forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And I want you to recognize the fact that as he begins to say, here's the gospel, here's the good news about who Jesus is and what he's done, the way that he encourages us to live it out is by the way that we relate to one another. We relate to one another in, in purity, respecting and honoring the sanctity of marriage. We, we relate in kindness, forgiving, being patient, not holding on to grudges or offense, but, but letting that go, trusting God to be the avenger, and, and, and sacrificially loving those who don't deserve our love. Sacrificially allowing that offense to go when that person maybe doesn't deserve it. We've talked about this for a while, and he's going to continue to talk to us about what that looks like when Christ rules in our lives. When, when I no longer am on the throne of my heart, but Christ is ruling in my life. So we're going to read out of Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Um, if you will stand with me, we're going to read this together. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, we recognize that you are good and that you have given us your son. And there's so much that you have given to us in and through your son. That we are able to be clothed with his nature and character. That we're able to be, be empowered by the presence of your Holy Spirit. To live in a way that says Christ lives in me, I no longer live. God, I pray that my life that our lives would be characterized by the statement, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. God, I pray that by your spirit, you would renew our minds, you would cleanse our souls, you would change our inner being such that it is no longer us in our sinful, bent idol-worshiping proclivity that lives, but now we are bending toward you. And as we do things, people see Christ. 
because we do things like Christ would do. God, I pray that, I pray that you would make us a people who live this way, that in word and in deed we do so in the name, the authority, the representation of Jesus Christ. God, I want you to make us a holy people, a people who are set apart for your purposes in a world in which nothing is set apart for your purposes. God, would you do that work now? Would you bring that sanctifying power by your word? Pierce us with your word in order that we might be healed. Prune in order that we might grow better. Strengthen us, encourage us by your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So, just as if you're, if you're taking notes, if you're keeping track, Paul gives us really three commands that we're going to talk about. Let Christ rule. Let, Christ, uh, let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of Christ, Christ dwell. And in everything do it in the name of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your life. Let the word of Christ dwell in your life. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing in verse 15, he says this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you are indeed called in one body and be thankful. Now, I want to ask this question, and it's rhetorical, so just think about it. As you think about church and as you think about your own life and perhaps the lives of other people that you've, you've interacted with, what do you think is the ruling principle of most churchgoers? What do you think is the ruling, controlling principle of most churchgoers? Me. It's me. We have so. I, I remember uh, driving. Uh, I grew up in, in a kind of a, a number of different kinds of churches, but but we had our, our kind of traditional Baptist church, and and if you were if you were kind of reaching out to the next generation, you'd have the traditional service, and then like the contemporary service where we had drums, right? The tra- traditional service where we had the hymnal, and the contemporary service where you had the hymnal, but it was like presented on a, on a screen because it's 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 stodgy and stuffy to have a, a hymn book, apparently. I say that tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, and and w- there would be people who were saying, well, I don't want to go to that church. It, it doesn't it didn't really speak to me. And there have been people who have come at in, in this church, and, and, and they've, they've kind of assessed whether or not this is their church. Maybe you've assessed whether or not this is your church based on, on you know, your preferences, your, your desires, or, or your offenses. You know, perhaps you, you experienced some pain at, at a prior church, and so you, you know, you're very sensitive to, to how people treat you. And that's, that's fine, and, and if, if you've been offended or you've been hurt, I, I'm so sorry. But there, there's a danger when it comes to our preferences, when it comes to our desires, when it even comes to our offenses, that we would begin to assess whether or not this church is for us based on me rather than based on what God would say. And I want to be careful here because when it comes to, to certain things, 
we experience bad things and they, they inform us and help us to create boundaries and, and, and to live better and, and to integrate better. And there are churches that are bad. There are churches that have done bad things. And, and for that, I, I'm not saying that, that it's wrong to step away from those things. But I'm saying that if our orientation, and by and large the orientation of, of most of, I would say, uh, American Christianity is around what? Me. My desires. I love, I love listening to worship music, but it's interesting to, to, you know, I used to be really into secular music, for better or worse, probably mostly for worse, and, and you'd have very kind of cutting-edge, musically speaking, secular music. Uh, there was one band I listened to who, uh, it was all instrumental, it, there was a lot of reverb, and reverb's like when, it's like echo, um, there, there's, there's a lot of loops, so they would have a pedal and they'd create loops, and so you had one guitar that had all of these different sound effects. Uh, it started with U2 and, and the Edge, and if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Um, but, but you had this style and this, this musical um, innovation that then 10 years later you see in Christian music. And my point is, is that as we are in the world, much of Christendom has pursued satisfying me. And it's not bad to innovate. It's not bad to pursue excellence in music or art or anything like that. But, but there's something about this disposition of me that is so prevalent even in my life. And what am I going to get out of church today? And, and if you're listening to Paul, his his orientation that he's presenting to us is so counter that, that it's almost ridiculous. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. What does Paul think the ruling principle uh, ought to be? Peace. And, and this is not like, you know, inner peace, me and God, I feel good because I've prayed and I've eaten my Wheaties. No, this is peace among other people, and specifically, other people who get on your nerves. That person who just came to mind. That's, that's the peace he's talking about. Peace where you can participate with church life, and you can hang out with that person, and you can genuinely love them. That's what he's saying. That should be the ruling principle of your life. How do I know this? Why? Well, he talks about the peace that, that you have in your hearts. He's not talking about individually. He's talking about in a corporate body, and, and it says, in, which indeed you were called to in one body. He's saying, you're one body, guys. You, me, we're individuals, but we're part of one body, and there has to be peace. He just got done talking about if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Bear with one another in love. And he says, guys, let peace be the ruling characteristic of your life. That doesn't mean that we throw out doctrine. That doesn't mean that anything goes. That doesn't mean that if you don't believe in the gospel, if you don't believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again, defeating Satan, sin, and death, and you're committed to him as your Lord and Savior, that you can participate in church life in the same way that someone who do, does believe those things can. That doesn't mean that there's no distinctions. But it does mean that if you don't like the way that that person looks or smells or dresses, or you don't like that person's uh, choice in 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 what kind of car they drive, or, or maybe you don't, don't agree on the same things, or you don't, you don't have the same kind of affinity. They play golf, you play video games, you, you know, they, they do, uh, I don't know, something else, <laughs> and, and you do another thing. That doesn't, 
Those things should not separate us. He says, let peace rule. What peace? The peace of Christ. In, in Ephesians, uh, Paul speaks about this in, in more ethnic details. He, he talks about um, how, how Christ was divided. He was broken so that the d- dividing wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles would be brought down and, and Jews and Gentiles would be brought together so that this ethnic divide would, would no longer exist. In Galatians, he, he talks about how there's no, there, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile. There are all these distinctions that would separate the people. He, God has brought down so that we might be one body. We're called to peace. What does that mean for your life? That means sacrificing your desires for the sake of others, like Christ. Sacrificing your desires for the sake of others, like Christ. I love, I, I, I was in InterVarsity I led worship with an acoustic guitar. There, we had worship circles where there was a djembe and a white guy with dreads playing guitar. Some of you are like, you're tracking with me, and some of you think I'm talking craziness, and that's my point. Part of me would love to just say, okay, well, let's get the acoustic guitar. Let's, let's go ahead and get Pablo some reverb, get him a loop pedal, and let's do this thing. right? We'll have worship that will be glorious and awesome. They'll have a double pedal, and it'll be Magnificent. Yeah, you heard me. Jazzy's like, okay, I'm down with that. You may have a double pedal. I don't know. You play like you do. Um, but but that's, that's not what we do. Because what we're trying to set a table for is for a multitude of people to be able to engage and worship God. And, and the reality is all of us have to bend some. All of us have to bend. Some of you listen to 91.9. Some of you listen to 1041. Some of you listen to another station that is secular. <laughs> and, and, and you, God calls you to lay down your preferences, especially if they're unholy as a side note, um, your preferences for the sake of the body, to live at peace. It means overlooking offenses. And, and by that I mean forgiving. That, that doesn't mean that what someone does against you is okay if someone does something wrong, but it means that you're going to allow God to be the conduit of justice. You're going to allow God to be the conduit of vengeance and judgment, and you're going to love your enemy. And I wish I didn't have to say that in church, but if you have an enemy in church, God wants you to love your enemy. And I mean, I'm not even, I'm not... I'm not deducing that from Scripture. That's in the Word of God. Love your enemy. If God calls us to love our enemies, certainly we ought to love the person to the next, uh, I almost said on the pew, but these are not pews, in the next uh, theater seat over. He says to live at peace. Although Christ did not compromise conviction, he sought to establish peace peace that we can now live in. This is a peace that God wants us to live in. Right? He's, he's establishing his church. And, and the thing about the church is that we're, we're living stones, Peter says. Christ is the cornerstone. There's, there's a cornerstone when you build a building. At least that's what I've been told. And it, it is kind of the leveling stone. It has to be level. It, it determines the, the way the rest of the building is built. And, and other stones are referenced from that stone. We are living stones based on Christ. Christ has established a standard and he's building now. 
And, and you don't get to just say, well, I'm going to do this way. You know, I, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm a little different stone. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be pegged as like one of those stodgy, boring Christians. And so I'm going to lay kind of like this. Because that's, you know, almost like a breakdance move. Like, I, but, but that's, no. If, if you're in Christ, you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Your desires no longer live, but Christ's in you. Now, he's able to do that in such a way that your unique personality and, and, and personhood is not lost, but that doesn't mean there isn't sacrifice. He says that we are to live in the peace that he has established. And it's not, it's not a begrudging peace, right? We're not just like, mm, I'm going to be at peace. You know, if, you, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You know what that look is. Listen and obey. Okay. Say you're sorry. Sorry. Be, be kind. I love you. Like that's, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a, a, a peace and a willingness to embrace other people with thankfulness. He says it. He says, and be thankful. How, how, how can I be thankful, Pastor Eddie, when there's so many bad things? My wife was telling me about someone. All my good ideas come from my wife. Um, she listens to a lot of great people and she's smart. So, um, she was listening to, to one lady talk about perspective. And w- w- were they at the beach or was it just that we were at the beach? We were at the beach. Okay, well, we were at the beach and we're thinking, and you have two ways of looking at life. You can look at the mud or you can look at the sky. They're both there, right? N- you look at the bottom of your shoe and there's some stuff on the bottom of your shoe, but the sky is also there. Being thankful reminds us that even in the midst of the mud of of interpersonal conflict, even in the midst of the mud of being misunderstood, even in the midst of the mud of being really uncomfortable with this style of worship because when you were younger you grew up with X, or really uncomfortable with this church experience because you've never kind of experienced people singing in a building. Like, why? That's an interesting thing. But, But he's... He's saying there's a way to do this with thankfulness where you look at the sky. There's a song that I grew up with, Count Your Many Blessings, name, name them one by one. Think, thank God for all the things that he's done. And if, if you don't know where to start, if you're breathing, thank God. If you're breathing, think, and if you think that that's silly, you have not appreciated that God is God and you're not. If you're like, what? I'm not thanking God for that, then you don't see God as he is, as the one who sustains you. And that's, just not, that's not a word. If, if Jesus were to at any point forget who you are, you would cease to exist. This is the craziness of, of, of the... The crucifixion was not just crazy because the God of the universe was on the cross. It was crazy because he was sustaining his own murder. You have reason to be thankful. It's a thankful peace. Who in this congregation have you thanked God for today? Who do you need to thank God for? What, what would our church be like if the habit of life was to give thanks for the people rather than to tally up our offenses? 
Can you imagine how awesome this church would be? And, and I'm thankful for you guys. I, I, please don't hear this as a whiplash or a tongue lashing because I, I too am experiencing this of, of trying to walk in, in love and patience and kindness when I am a selfish person. So hear this as a fellow practitioner. What would church be like if our habit of life was to give thanks for all these people rather than to try and tally offenses? What would it be like if we were quick to forgive or to put it on the other side of things, what would it be like if we were slow to speak so that we don't give people reason to tally offenses? This peace can only exist when we're bearing with one another in love and we're putting on forgiveness and we're putting on love that he just talked about. He, he's saying this as a result of, guys, if you're going to put on love, this is what it needs to look like. Be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule. And he goes on, not only let the peace of Christ rule, but, but we want to let the word of Christ dwell. And let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual song with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. The word of Christ. This likely refers to the word about Christ, not necessarily the word that Christ spoke, although the word that Christ spoke is part of the word about Christ, so I'm not going to make too strong of distinctions. But the point is, God's word is supposed to be dwelling in you richly. And, and when I say read the Bible every day, if I'm being honest, it's a low standard. It's a low standard. As, as children were being taught in, in Old Testament times, they would memorize. And not just like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, Genesis 1-1. No, they'd memorize like the Pentateuch, like books of the Bible, genealogies. Not just the little Bible verses that we find helpful to us. He, he says, let the word of Christ dwell. And, and I don't say that as, that's not for shame. I'm just saying that, that, that there's so much more of God to be put inside of you than, than maybe you've even considered. What does it look like for the word of God to dwell in you richly? I would say it looks like the word of that sitcom that you always quote dwelling in you richly. So that whenever you look at a circumstance or a situation in your life, and I'm guilty of this, um, whenever you, you look at a circumstance or a situation in your life, you think of a scenario that you've seen in that show. And you can quote something and, and, and it becomes shorthand for your life. And I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong. However, even I've, I've just been looking at my own life and the things that I, I bring in and take in, and we, we think of this in physical terms a lot, right? You know, you don't want to eat that. You know, uh, Starbucks a while back, they, they got rid of all their, I think it was it, trans fat foods. Apparently trans fat foods are both deathly bad for you and delicious. I don't know. But we, we think about our intake. You know, do you eat this? Are you on this diet? You know, what are you putting in your body? Can you have this? And, and we think about the things that we put in our body, but we don't think about the things that we put in our mind and our heart. When you wake up in the morning, what song is, is in your heart? 
When you, when you are just kind of mindlessly wondering what scenarios, what shows, what books, what, what songs, what poetry, what is in your mind? What is dwelling in you richly? Now, I was thinking about this. God calls us to be a chosen people. Another way of putting that is God calls us to be a, a holy people. Consecrated to him. Set apart for his purposes. How can we be consecrated and set apart if we are constantly putting the world inside of us? How can we be holy? How can you be holy when, when there's so little that distinguishes us from the world? There, there, there's been a, a, I want to be careful here. There's been a press in, in certain parts of Christianity that have tried to get just right up to the edge of being like the world in the name of relevance. And, and I'm wearing Vans. They're good skate shoes. And I'm wearing, like, I, this is like, what is it, a pastor starter kit? Like, the short sleeve button up, dark blue jeans, Vans. So I'm in the, you know, hard part. I bought it at Kmart. It's all, you know, came in a box. I get it. I'm not primarily talking about the way you dress, although the way you dress ought not to get in the way of your testimony. Right? When God talks about modesty, he talks about just this idea that the way you look should bring people's attention to God, not to you. But I was thinking about, like, there, there's so much in, in the way that we pursue the format of our service the, the, the conversations that we have, even, even the things that we want to study, help me 10 step to having a better life, which these are not bad things. It's, it's not, I'm not asking you to go and, and, you know, John the Baptist wore camel's hair and he had a burlap, you know, thing and he ate, lo- I, I'm not asking you to do that. Don't be weird. Don't be a weirdo and, and tell me that you're being a good Christian. But I, you guys are awesome. And that's not your danger. Right? I, I'm looking around and I don't see a lot of weirdos. This is podcast, so God bless you if you're, if, I don't know. This is why the internet is dangerous. Um, but all joking aside, we could so very easily in a desire to be, to, in, in a, in a, to say that we want to be relevant and in our heart we don't want to be rejected we could very easily give up the things that make us distinctive. Family, we are in a dark time. And you're going to have to make a stand. And that's not just going to be in the words that you say. It's going to be in the way that you act, the things that you listen to, what you watch, what you read. What are you dwelling on? What are you dwelling on? The world is not going to be changed by people who look like the world. Again, I'm not talking about being weird, but I'm talking about holding the distinctives that God has for us. And and I'm talking about changing our perspective from being like, how close can I get to the world and maintain my Christianity? And that being one way of thinking about things to saying, how close can I get to the holiness of God? 
and express that holiness at my, at my job, in my marriage, in my family? Can I hold the standard, not as a way of earning my salvation, but as a way of saying, I want to be consistent and faithful to the God who saved me? He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Some of you need, you need to turn up the heat in your life. I'm going to press a little bit. Men, you need to read your Bible. Husbands, you need to read your Bible. I say that as myself. I need to read the Bible. You need to search the scriptures. You don't need to let your wife set the standard. Again, I say this to myself. My wife has been so faithful to remind me to help my kids read the Bible. That's my responsibility. That's your responsibility, men. Let the, the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He, he's calling us to, and, and, and don't kid yourself, guys. Paul was aware of, of non-Christian, non-believing, polytheistic, atheistic things. He goes to, to Athens, and he's able to quote the, the, the common people of the time. So it's not as though, you know, Pastor, it's different, it's hard, you know, there's so much entertainment, and, and, and this is not like Paul's time. I mean, Paul basically had the Bible and nothing else. No, he was very aware of the literature of the day. He could have been filled with a lot of things, and he was filled with the Word of God. Don't kid yourself. And don't kid yourself that you can't. Don't kid yourself that you can't. We all know songs by pop singers that I won't name that we don't want. Why? Why do I know that song? I didn't even ask for that song. It is holding real estate in my brain. It's squatting in my brain. You can learn scripture. I mean, and he goes on and he says, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. He's not just talking about the pastors saying, pastors teach and admonish one another. No, he's saying each of you, be so filled with Scripture that you can talk to one another. You know what? I heard this in Scripture. I was reading this, and, 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 and this was encouraging. And, and, and man, I heard that, and I, 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 I love the way you're doing this. And, and, and sister, I, I know, you know, sister to sister, husband, uh, man to man, woman to woman, um, teaching one another, being so filled with Scripture that you're able to say something about scripture. Sorry, I'm looking for something. What does this look like? This doesn't look like, you know, men encouraging women, women encouraging men, and having weird, like, this is what it looks like. As for you, teach what accounts, uh, this is in Titus chapter 2. As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are be sober-minded, dignified, self-control, sound in faith, in love and in steadfastness. Older women likewise be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slave to much wine. They're to teach what is good and train young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled. And he goes on. Husbands or, or men are to, to teach men in this context and women are to teach women. Older women, the younger women need you. Older men, the younger men need you. And all of us, God desires for the, the word of God to dwell, dwell in us richly. What, what stories, what music, what entertainment do you need to cut out in your life so that you can put more Christ in? Again, I'm not, the point is not to not do those things. 
Although if they're evil or, or, or glorify wickedness, we probably should put them off. But the, the point at the end of the day is to put on Christ. And that's more than just doing good things. That's, that's knowing more of Christ. He goes on. And he says, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with all thankfulness in your heart. We're, we're, we're so aware of God and his goodness. We're, we're meditating on the psalms. We're going to scripture to help us even process our emotions, our frustrations, our desires. That we're, we're filled with songs. That we're filled with songs. I'm so thankful that God has allowed us to have, I mean, we got so, you can find music anywhere. And, and you, you know, if you're not, you're like, I can't listen to good Christian music. It's boring or it's bad. That's not true. There's really amazing music out there that glorifies God. There's, there's really cool, there's this guy named Randall Goodgame, and he's, he's pretty much for kids. But he takes scripture and literally puts it to music, and he's a good musician, this is not like the Wiggles. This is, this is real music. <laughs> there, there are ways for you to engage such that you're, you're filled with psalms, hymns, and songs. And, and to distinguish th- those words, psalms likely, likely refers to scriptural psalms that they would sing. They would use the, the, the book of psalms as a psalter, as a, as a, a hymn book. Hymns were, were probably hymns, the songs about Christ, songs about his goodness and his glory. And then spiritual songs might, might, might potentially be like um, songs that just come out of our heart. But I don't want to make too, too distinct a distinction because the reality is the point is that Christ comes out of us. He says, let the word dwell in you richly with thankfulness. Thankfulness comes when we take God's word seriously and we find ourselves strengthened by God's strength. If you're, if you're saying, I don't know how to be thankful about that, I just want to encourage you, read God's word because there's hope. There's reason to be thankful. If you, if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are not going to hell. The reason number one to be thankful. That's not the only reason and certainly that's not, the, don't be, let, let your Christianity be reduced to that. But you've got reason to be thankful. You can be in the worst possible circumstances. In the deepest of mud, the sky is still there. He says, with thankfulness. Finally, he goes on and he says, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Being done in the name of the Lord means being done in a way that represents the character, the nature, and the authority of our Lord. It's like, it's like God co-signing what you do. If you looked at your day, if you looked at your week, if you looked at your month, would you say that your actions testify to or bring shame to the Lord? And if I had to guess, I would say some of, you know, we'd all be like, well, a little bit of both. Maybe a lot of bit of both. Do your actions testify to the fact that Jesus is Lord or you are Lord? You know, if, if we look at your bank statement, would you be able to say, you know, I think this person is submitted to the wisdom of God in how they use the resources that God has provided? Or would you say, that person clearly is a slave to their own appetite? 
When we set our minds on things above, like it talks about in, in chapter 3, verse 1 and following, we make Jesus the focus. And when Jesus is the focus or the center of our lives, our words and our deeds begin to take on the character and the authority of Christ. You can see that when you talk to older Christians. Younger Christians, find some older Christians. Find some people who've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and just be quiet and just say, talk to me about your life. And you begin to hear the way that they relate to to their circumstances, understanding that God is at work. How they relate to their pain, understanding God is at work. How they relate to their, their financial challenges, understanding that God is at work. And you begin to see Jesus everywhere. In their choices, in their forgiveness, in their emphases in life, in the things that they watch, read, and listen to. You, you begin to see that, man, Jesus is all over this. That whatever they've done, whether in word or deed, they've done it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, and invariably, there's, there's a, again, get around some of these believers because they, they, they like to laugh. There's a thankfulness about them. You know, they may be going through physical difficulty, pain, but there's a joy that they have because they are thankful for what God has given them in spite of the pain and suffering and difficulties. What if, what if every email that you sent had Jesus as the signature? Who would people think that Jesus is? A really, just a jerk? <laughs> a gossip? An impatient person? Or would they see Jesus for who he is? Your, your social media, your music, your conversations. If you had a transcript of your conversations, would people say, you know what, this seems like a person who's holding grace and truth, forgiveness and conviction? Or would they see something else? You can start by doing whatever you do in word and in deed by giving thanks. He says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What is one thing that you can thank God for? I'll give you 10 seconds. You don't have to say it, but I want you to think about it. What's one thing that you can thank God for right now? All right, what's another thing? And what's, what's one way that you can make giving thanks a, a part of the regular rhythm of your life? I'm not telling you that you need to go home and, and you know, go to Barnes & Noble and get a, a journal and, and, and begin do gratitude, and journal, gratitude journaling you know, four pages a day. I'm not saying that. I don't do that because I would do that for two days and then I would stop and feel bad. But I have managed, by the grace of God, I've got a, like a, so a five-year journal, which is really cool. It's, it's what I like to call a two-sentence journal where it's got... It's got five different sections, and in each year you're going through a day, or each day you're going through it for five years, and you write down, you know, whatever you want to write down, I felt blah, 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 Billy is nice, or like I had chicken, whatever you want to write, and I do that, I'm the more the I had chicken 
line of things, and less about like, I felt great about, or I felt sad, or whatever. I might put like a smiley face or a sad face. This is way more information that you need. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> We're moving on. The point is, the first thing I do for the, the present day, because I, I write about yesterday, today, but for today, when I do this in the morning, I will write, I am thankful to God for one thing. It's not a thousand things. I can do better. I am also trying to apply this to my life. But what's, what's one way that you can incorporate thanks, thankfulness into your life? And this is not just general, like, thankfulness. Like, let me just throw it into the ether. No, thankfulness is thanking a person for something. And in this case, the person is God. And the thing is that you need to find. So what can you thank God for every day so that you begin to make thankfulness a routine? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's driving down the road and you have certain negative emotions rise up and allowing that temptation to get angry to be a, a prompt to say, you know what, God, I thank you that you have created cars. We live in a space age. I'm complaining. I'm, I'm not riding behind a horse that is doing what horses do in front of me. I'm not on a, on a wagon, I'm not on a camel, I'm not walking, I am driving far, far faster than what is legally permitted to get to the place I need to, hopefully you're not doing that, and I'm thankful, God. What can you do to incorporate thankfulness? He mentions it in all three places, being thankful, being thankful, being thankful, because when you put on Christ, you, you, you lay down your right to be entitled and you, you admit that, God, whatever you give me, I can be thankful. Guys, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. That purpose is to put Christ, to be Christ, not just to put Christ, but to be Christ in the spheres of life that God has given you. To be an encouragement to others in your word. Like, I, I just want to encourage, you can be an encouragement to other people at this church. It doesn't have to just be Pastor Jermaine or JC and Rosa or, or you know, Mary, my wife, or, or Blythe or, or, or any of the other leaders. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be just the people that you think are in charge. You have a role to play. You have a purpose to be a source of peace when trouble and conflict arise, to be encouragement, because you're a holy people. You're a chosen people, holy and beloved. And we're called to do it in thankfulness. I'm going to close with these words. In Psalm 111, it says this, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He's caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hand are faithful and just. All his precepts, precepts are trustworthy. They're established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He's commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is your name, God.
God, I thank you that your name is holy and awesome, that you are holy and awesome. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Family, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, we, we come to you and we confess that we've not done everything in word or deed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Or we confess that we have treated your name and your authority in a way that lacks the reverence and the fear and the honor that it deserves. I've done that. God, and I repent. God, I don't want to live in such a way that I bring shame to your name. I want to live in a way that reflects the fact that you have saved me and I am your joyous servant. God, I pray that you would inspire us to hold on to the peace that you have established, to be quick to forgive, to bear with one another in love. I pray that that peace would rule our lives and our interactions with one another. I pray, God, that the, the, the word of Christ would dwell richly in us, that we would read our Bibles, that we would, we would be intentional about pursuing your life, your wisdom, your direction in your word, that we'd find creative ways to get this word into us, that we would sing psalms of praise, that we'd be so, so filled with the psalms that we would be able to use them to express our emotions, that we'd be so filled with the stories and the, the characters of your Bible that we'd be able to use them to give us examples of how we ought to live, that we'd be so filled with the principles of your word that we'd be able to discern what is the right way forward when it seems like there's no black or white answer. God, your word says to give us, that we can pray for wisdom. Give us wisdom from your word and make us people who do everything in your name in a way that brings honor to your name. Jesus, would you do that? I thank you that you have saved us, that as we trust in you, as we put our faith in you and you alone, that you, you give us sanctifying power. I pray that you would make us who we are, a chosen people, holy and beloved. I pray this all in the name of our Lord, Jesus. Amen. Love you, family.